0: Thank you, Pastor, so much. I would appreciate your prayers this week. I'll be uh, in Atlanta. I'll be chairing a couple of meetings. One will be uh, a meeting of a committee that oversees work that we have in Taiwan, in Taipei, Christ College, with all of the issues that we are facing with the mainland communist Chinese regime and pressures being brought to bear on Taiwan. Please pray that that meeting will be productive. And then following that, I'll be chairing our Committee on Mission to the World, as we will be considering a great many things, but among them, of course, weighing much on our minds, is the refugee crisis in the Ukraine. 1.2 million refugees, people have been displaced from their homes because of the onslaught of the Russian army, as they are fleeing, many of them, to the city of Lviv, which is on the border with Poland. We are partnering with 15 Presbyterian churches in the nation of the Ukraine, and this church, you, this past week, uh, sent a check for $5,000 uh, to assist with that refugee crisis and those who are working there as Mission to the World is on the ground. And in the middle of all of that, uh, my mom is home from the hospital, forgive me, and uh, she's uh, she's recovering, and so... God willing, uh, I'm going to leave a little early tomorrow so that I can slip up and see uh, Mom and Dad and at least get to do a little early anniversary celebration with them as I will be unable to be there when it actually comes. So, just please pray. And then Kathy and Ginger will be holding down the fort at home. In the meantime, we come to Joshua chapter 24. And this is the end of the book of Joshua. As transitions have occurred... Transition from Moses to Joshua, and now Joshua is moving on from the scene. And so our theme for this book has been drawing from my friend Jimmy Mitchell the phrase, We go now. The Israelites have gone. They have entered the land. They are occupying it, and now they will continue to have to go in terms of their service to the Lord, but Joshua is moving on from the scene. And we all of us need to consider how that Throughout the course of life, we're on the go, going to serve the Lord, otherwise going on to be with him. So Joshua chapter 24, and uh, I'm just going to read in your hearing, you have the whole chapter I think available in your bulletin, but we're going to look particularly at verses 14 through 15 as we consider the whole chapter together. Joshua 24, beginning with verse 14, hear the word of God. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So may the Lord bless this reading of this word. For the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. This is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. Amen. And so transitions are often difficult. Change is hard. Somebody has said that the things that church people fear the most are boredom and Change. And so we live in the tension of those things. I've I've been reminded, one of my favorite people in the world in my growing up years was Jerry Clower, who could tell stories like nobody else from Mississippi. If you haven't heard of him, I'm sorry. I hope that uh, in heaven you'll have a chance to meet him, as I know that he's there, as he trusted in Jesus in this life. But Jerry Clower had a way of telling stories. He told about a salesman who had boarded a train one day, and uh, he made clear to the conductor as he got on the train, he said, listen, I need to get off in Winona, Mississippi. I have business there, but I am tired and I've got to get some sleep, but I need you to wake me up, and I need to warn you that I'm hard to wake up, so even if I resist you, you have got to get me off the train in Winona, Mississippi. Conductor said he understood. The man went on, went to bed. When he got up the next morning, he looked out the window, and he was two hours past the city of Winona, Mississippi. He was furious. He threw an absolute fit. He had some choice words to say to the conductor as he was getting off the train, and the man who was with the conductor said, Man, he said, that's the maddest man I've ever seen in the world. Have you ever seen anybody that mad? And the conductor said, I've seen one man madder than that the man that I put off in Winona this morning. <laughs> Transitions can be difficult. And yet, as we find ourselves in the midst of life, we, I trust, find ourselves today following the Lord Jesus Christ, not because we have been compelled to do it against our will, but because we willingly, with all of our hearts, have yielded ourselves to him and have said, I will serve the Lord. It is a choice that we must make every day, as the tense in this passage makes clear, Francis Schaeffer highlighting that in particular in his comments on this chapter, that when Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, the verb tense carries with it the idea of an ongoing action. It's not a past-completed action. It's not a one-and-done. In a very real sense, Joshua is saying every day, we will make the deliberate choice to serve the Lord. As Shaker said, this was the character of Joshua. He chose, and he chose, and he chose, and he kept right on choosing. He understood the dynamics of choice, once-for-all choice, an existential choice as well. Thus, his word to the people was not an affirmation puffed up on the spur of the moment, it was deeply embedded in Joshua's comprehension of what is required of a person made in the image of God, one called upon to obey God like, not like a machine or an animal, but to obey God by choice. And so this world, being the mess that it is, nevertheless affords us the opportunity of lifting our eyes under the hills and recognizing that our help comes from the Lord and we must trust him and so as we look at this whole chapter as Joshua rehearses for the people what they have been through as he begins having gathered them all there in the place called Shechem's having summoned the elders the heads the judges the officers of Israel and presents what is essentially his third sermon in the transition of his leadership as he passes from the scene as all of the people present themselves to the lord he speaks on behalf of the lord he doesn't speak of god in the third person being the means by which the lord is delivering his word to the people joshua speaks in the first person as god reminds his people how that not only had he brought them out of egypt but going beyond that how he had chosen Abraham to be the means by which he would bring about a people in the world, having called him from the land of Ur Ur, the Chaldeans. And how, of course, that he brought your fathers out of Egypt, as he says. And you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them, and your eyes saw what I did in Egypt, and on and on. As he rehearses before them God's faithfulness and all that he's done. So we learn from this that God's people are always called to remember God's works so that we may proclaim them for all time. That we may, in gatherings like this and in our own personal lives as we live at home, to think about what God has done so that we may live life in the present with our eyes on the future, knowing that the Lord will carry us through. Psalm 77, verses 11 through 15. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your own arm have redeemed your people. The children of Jacob. Joseph. We see it also in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26. As we come to the Lord's table today, we'll be reminded of this, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we remember today the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. But in the present, we are proclaiming him to the world as we remember him. But aren't we also looking forward to the future when we will celebrate that great marriage supper of the Lamb? But it all comes from remembering what God has done for us in the past. We don't live in the past, but we must remember the past and God's faithfulness in it. And we see also, secondly, that genuine faith in the Lord involves serving the Lord and forsaking all other gods. One of the astounding things to me when I read this passage is in consideration of this. Abraham was called away from idolatry in that land of earth, the old Babylon. He was called of God out of that place to a land he had never seen as God guided him to the land of Canaan, the land of promise, calling upon him to serve the Lord his God. And he left behind those idols of old, and yet idolatry continued to be practiced. Even Jacob's wife had idols in her possession, if you read carefully the text in the history, and even now. After all that the Israelites have been through, not just the centuries before in consideration of Abraham, but now that God has demonstrated his power against the gods of Egypt, the god of the Nile and the sun god that they worship most especially, as those plagues that God sent on Egypt were specifically directed toward those powerless gods so that he might show that he is the sovereign one, Joshua still at this juncture is having to say, get rid of the gods that are among you. How is that even possible? And so we must remember, too, that we are to serve the Lord and him only. Because we, too, still tend toward idolatry. 1 Samuel 12, 24, only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. We are called on to serve him exclusively. Hey, look, we live in a very pluralistic age, very eclectic time, where you can easily ask somebody on the street, do you believe in Jesus? And they're apt to say, well, sure. And somebody else may come along after you and say, well, hey, what do you think about Buddha? Oh, I believe in him too. It's this kind of idea of, you know, it's just all kind of thrown in together and, They lose sight of the exclusive claim that Jesus makes to being God and the way and the truth and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except by him. We must get rid of our idols. We must repent of those things that would keep us from trusting in the Lord alone. The Lord Jesus himself was tempted in this way in Matthew chapter 4. Among the other ways that he was was, uh, tempted How that again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And Satan said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You see, the temptation. To serve others for the immediate benefit we may gain from it. It's always there. Satan is always putting enticements in front of us to forsake worshiping the Lord so that we might gain some immediate benefit. But what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, says Jesus? So if Joshua had to adjure the people of his time to forsake idols, then surely that word comes to us in our own context. And finally, reading on through the rest of the chapter, Joshua, at the age of 110, passes from the scene. He is buried. We go now, and then we go home. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. All of life, as we now know, it is temporary. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 9. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. We are citizens of another kingdom. We're only temporary residents here. We're pilgrims just passing through. My Sattler friend, Don Reed, tells a story about his wife, Debbie, who grew up in Milan, Tennessee. That's in West Tennessee. That's out past Nashville. When I was growing up, you know, the world kind of ended beyond Nashville. Actually, Murphy, North Carolina was the end of the world, but that's another matter. And growing up in Milan, Tennessee, she was a good student. And in her uh, early years, in her junior high years, she had a science teacher uh, named Mrs. Mayo And Debbie and her friends were doing homework assigned to them by this teacher that they loved, and they were having to deal with a concept that they just couldn't grasp. Debbie said the idea was uh, that of infinity. Now, that's a hard subject for anybody to grasp, let alone a junior high schooler. And she said the more she read, the more confusing she came and so she and her friends decided the next day they would go early to class because they were afraid Miss Mayo would throw a pop quiz at them on the reading the night before and they just didn't understand it and so they went into her classroom and she was there reading the paper early that morning and she sits these girls were in front of her and she lowered the paper and looked at them and said "Uh, good morning ladies what may I do for you and they all at once explained their dilemma they did not understand the idea of infinity and they asked her if she could explain it to them in her own words Now, Mrs. Mayo said something ultimately that would probably get her fired today. But she took off her glasses and smiled at them as she folded her newspaper and looked out beyond them somewhere over the tops of their heads. And she said, infinity. She said, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. You are here now, but you will not be here as you are always. Scripture reminds us throughout, our time on this earth as it is, is temporary. There is before us all of eternity. And so let us declare with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Today, tomorrow, and always, don't you ever forget. Let's pray. Father in heaven, blessed be your name. As we come now to this, the blessed table of our Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that we might partake by faith of these common, ordinary elements and remember